we're so frenetic in our lives. We type fast and we thumb type fast and we talk fast and, and we tweet fast. I mean, everything's so fast. And so you sit with your journal and it's a slow process. It's, you know, it's the difference between, I don't know, eating slow food and eating at McDonald's in a way. Welcome to Deviate with Rolf Potts, where I talk with experts, public figures, and interesting people about fascinating topics that meander off topic. Today I talk with travel writer Lavinia Spaulding, whose book Writing Away, A Creative Guide to Awakening the Journal Writing Traveler, is a fantastic exploration of how and why to keep a journal as you travel. Now I've been friendly with Lavinia for years now. We actually lived as expatriates in Busan, South Korea at the same time back in the 1990s, though we didn't meet in person until a few years later. I always knew I'd eventually invite Lavinia onto the podcast, and this season seemed perfect since when I traveled through Asia last winter, I kept a daily travel journal for the first time in nearly 20 years. Actually, as a travel writer, I always keep extensive notes when I travel, but these notes tend to feed the public stories I write about the places I visit, while, as Lavinia and I discuss, a true travel journal is something you write mainly for yourself. I was reminded of this earlier this year when I revisited the old travel journal I kept on my first vagabonding trip across North America 25 years ago, and I was amazed by the window it gave me into that journey and into the mind of my 23-year-old self. I talked to Lavinia during a recent visit to New Orleans where she lives with her husband and son, and the result was a fun conversation that touches on the case for why you should keep a travel journal, how to use the journal before your trip begins, how you can use it to balance travel expectations with the reality of the road, and how keeping a travel journal is a great way to be aware of and awake to the world as you explore new places. This episode is brought to you by Tortuga, the pack that held my journal as I traveled around the world last winter. I actually used their set-out model pack, which is pretty much designed for vagabonding-style travel. Check out the set-out and other backpack models at rolfpotts.com tortuga. And if you see a pack you like, you can get 10% off your order by using the promo code DEVIATE. This episode is also brought to you by Airtrex, which I used to plan my round-the-world flight itinerary this winter. For almost 30 years now, Airtrex has specialized in multi-stop itineraries for vagabonding-style journeys. Check out their trip planning tools at Airtrex.com. But for now, please listen in as Lavinia Spaulding and I talk about all the ways that keeping a journal as you travel can enhance the journey. To start out, I might just ask the question, why in a year like 2019 keep a travel journal when you can use five different kinds of social media, when you can do a blog if you want, you do email chain, chains and things like that. So I guess up front, um, what's the case for keeping a travel journal in this day and age? Oh, there are so many cases for it. You know, I think that there there's so much value to utilizing all of the different technology that exists now. But who are you utilizing that for? Are you doing it for yourself or are you doing it for an audience? That's really the difference between keeping a travel journal and, you know, tweeting or Instagramming or blogging is that when you're doing the latter, it's for someone else. It's not for yourself. A travel journal is for yourself. It's an, you know, it's an artifact for the future. It's something to flip through 20 years from now to bring you back to that moment. It's, um, it's a place to record the private moments that happen to you uh, on the road, the stuff that you wouldn't 
necessarily want to share with your audience. Um, and to me, the, you know, those are the moments that lead to the biggest breakthroughs in consciousness when you're on the road. Um, what are? The private moments. Okay, gotcha. The things that you would never tweet about or put on Instagram. Right. Of, the yeah. stuff that might be a little ugly or disappointing or embarrassing. Uh, the parts where you make yourself really vulnerable to the world. So those are the moments that I think are, are the most valuable when you're out in the world are the, are the, the experiences that you wouldn't necessarily deliberately share with the public. So that's sort of, to me, that's one of the most important reasons to keep a private journal. Well, I want to get back to the idea of going back to your journal. I'll save that for a little bit later because this is the 25th anniversary of me living in a van and vagabonding around mm -hmm. USA for the first time. Uh, and I found a technology. Happy anniversary. Thank you. Yeah, it's actually the 20th year anniversary of me going across Asia too, out post Korea. And so my listeners know uh, Livinia and I have Korea in common. We were in Korea around the same time. Um, but it was just. I revisited that 1994 journal, and I won't. We'll, we can talk about that later. But it was really super interesting because I because it was written by hand, and that's another question I want to write you about, mm -hmm. uh, ask you about. Um, I haven't revisited that it that much, mm -hmm. and so it was really interesting. It was like time travel 25 years ago. Yeah. Um, so I'll save that for later. But right now, um, what is the argument for a handwritten journal versus a, a more um, utilitarian? keep your journal in a laptop or an email draft type thing? Well, I mean, to start with, there's science that there's, there are more benefits actually to keeping a handwritten journal in terms of, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of science around the, the benefit, the health benefits, uh, the emotional benefits of keeping a journal, even if it's, you know, not a travel journal, just like, a gratitude journal or whatever that um, it's you know it lowers blood pressure it strengthens immunity like a handwritten journal or? so any journal okay. but there's you know there's more benefit to writing a handwritten journal okay and um, and I'm not sure exactly why but I know I've seen I've seen that uh, written about and I think that for me it's just that there's this sort of slowing down you know we're so frenetic in our lives we type fast and we thumb type fast and we talk fast and, and we tweet fast. I mean, everything's so fast. And so you sit with your journal and it's a slow process. It's, you know, it's the difference between, I don't know, eating slow food and eating at McDonald's in a way. You, you have to connect on a, in a much more physical way. Um, when you're writing and you know not everyone some people write you know handwrite quickly but I think there is a, a, a sort of a slowing down thing that happens when you're writing in a journal and it's also you know in terms of the artifact again it's much more fun to look back on your handwriting from 20 years ago than it is to reread old emails and and it's something that's beautiful. It's a beautiful keepsake if you have that handwritten journal. Um, I look back at my journals from when I was 20 and I'm, it's very endearing. I have these like big cursive loops and a lot of exclamation <laughs> points. And, and then there's my ticket from the museum that's pasted in there. 
Uh, I have, you know, hand-drawn maps by strangers. They'd start to write me a map and I'd say, no, no, write it here in my journal, knowing that that would be something cool to look at in the future. So I think, you know, there is definitely a case to be made for handwriting. At the same time, if it's going to prevent you from journaling, then don't. If you're somebody who knows yourself well enough to know that it's going to work a lot better for you to type, then by all means type. You know, whatever works for you, I think, is the best way to journal. It's interesting. I went back to journaling this winter. And as a travel writer, I've always kept notes. But mm -hmm. sometimes the travel writer's reporter's notebook is different from the travel journal. And um, I kept a journal when I was in Korea. I kept a, journal, a handwritten journal, which was not beautiful, I'll point out. <laughs> it was notebook paper and, and my yeah. silly left-handed handwriting from, from 1994. Um, and it was really interesting to go back to, but I don't think I could have done a handwritten journal. So. Actually, I love the metaphor of like slow reflection, you know, because we have these, mm. these social ideas of slow food or even so, slow travel is big now. Mm. But even slowing down your self-examination or self-reflection or your own interaction with things is a good way of thinking about it because it really is. I, I think even I often talk about in travel not to micromanage things, not to make your trip more efficient or effective, but sometimes my attitude towards journaling can also be about that. You know, it can be about, well, I don't want to spend too much time working on my journal. When in fact, I found it was really interesting this winter when I returned to in earnest travel journaling for the first time in probably 20 years, um, as opposed from a reporter's notebook that um, I don't felt, feel that it took away from the experience. Mm -hmm. um, well, and I think that you have to sort of you have to make an effort to integrate it in a way that doesn't detract from the experience by, uh, by not doing the, the breakfast to bed format, not saying, oh, so this morning I woke up and I had a croissant and then I took the, you know, number 41 bus down to, you know, and then because that, that starts to feel like homework and it starts to get boring and it does interfere with the trip. It takes away, you know, you want your, your, journal to reflect your experiences and to not become the experience. The writing becomes the experience. And so I always advocate sort of just keeping an, an auxiliary smaller notebook with you to jot down quick things, to make lists, and then I just paste them into my journal later. Um, but if you're, if you're sitting there and you're, you know, you're, you're writing constantly, then you won't be ex experiencing as much. I also, you know, I keep tons of lists. I'm so much a list taker. And you in put my, them in your journal. Well, I, before I leave, I always do this thing where I write out lists. So I have a page in my journal before I leave of characters. And so that characters. Yeah, I say characters because it's not always people okay. like in the I just went to Morocco and one of my characters was Diablo, the donkey I rode to from Fez to Muleidris. I mean, when you have when you're riding a donkey named Diablo, uh -huh. you have to include that as a character. When I was in Nepal, um, my characters list included deities that I learned the names of. So the pay, you 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 um, you so earmark a, blank, a page, yes. but it's Blake, and you fill it in as you travel. Yes. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, and it does 
and then I also I always have a glossary of foreign words. Um, I always have all the senses, sounds, tastes, smells, because those also you, blank pages that you fill blank, in. Okay. Blank. And so what this does is it's a trick for me. Um, it's it gets me opening my journal, uh, and, you know, so that I can write it down, so that I can write. Oh, I have to write that guy's, you know, the guy in the ceramic shop that I had the t wonderful twenty-minute conversation with in Fez. I want to remember that his name is Mohammed. Of course, I had like fourteen Mohammeds <laughs> on that page, so there had to be some some notes about which Mohammed it was. But um, but I always do that, and uh, and then you know, obviously, I write. You know, I, I write a, the other stuff too, but the lists, the lists are fun and they're easy. And then if you've, you know, the hardest part is for a lot of people is cracking your journal. And so if you have that list, you always, you know, you always have some reason to open your journal. And then I did this, I, I sometimes I do this thing where before I set out on a trip, I'll just write A to Z down a page. Like um, an acrostic, is that the... Is that what it's called? Like an acrostic poem? Has a yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, it's just a fun thing. It doesn't have any, you know, practical purpose whatsoever. But I have this hilarious one from Mexico that has like that. It, it's just a list of you know, um, of words. And the J has Juan and Juan and Juan. We met three guys who were friends, all named Juan. Um, one of uh, one of the the. I, I, you know, it's like the G is gold tooth because the woman who, you know, rented us our casita had a gold tooth. I would never have remembered that hmm. fact. Um, and some of them I have absolutely no idea what they mean, but it's just a fun thing that I do. So I'm, I rely heavily on lists. That's interesting. I want to get back more into some strategies. I also want to right now get into some of the why because mm -hmm. some listeners might be thinking, okay, well... So I can do a top 10 list, but, but why am I supposed to keep a journal? Um, right. And actually, as an aside, I think one reason why I stopped keeping a daily journal as I traveled when I was reporting travel stories is that the story of the day was sometimes at odds with the story that I wanted to pull out of the travel mm -hmm. experience. And so um, sometimes having these chunks, like a seven days a week and each day has its own story, was at odds with maybe a story that lasted the entirety of that week and brought mm -hmm. in subtlety and research. But give me, give us some more reasons, just for people who might not be convinced yet, um, for why you should keep a journal. Why, in, in this day and age, with all of the social media and everything else, we touched on that a little bit. Um, what are what are some more reasons why keeping a journal is is really a dynamic part of a journey? Well, I, I mean, honestly, what you just said. Why in this day and age, with all the social media, that's why. It's never been more necessary than right now to to, you know, re-engage with that part of yourself, to actually take the opportunity to sit down and dive into a deeper awareness of yourself out in the world and of your surroundings. To, um, we're missing that part of ourselves in, in, with, you know, in social media uh, today. Uh, so I think that that, you know, the, the, I feel like it's a gateway to deeper consciousness. To the journal it. itself is. Absolutely. It's, mm -hmm. you know, it's, um, it's a gateway to a deeper understanding of yourself. So that to me is the, is the biggest reason why to, to have that opportunity to sit still with a journal and that kinesthetic, you know, 
sensation of really connecting to this physical to this physical thing that helps you understand where you are more deeply and and your relationship to it i think it's it's profound um but i also you know i can't remember anything these days i don't know about you i mean we're getting older <laughs> but it's I funny have... like 25 years ago 20 years ago you know we were in our 20s right so i'll so... give you an example i just went back to korea uh-huh. And I was trying to decide where to go and where to stay. And I said, well, I'll, you know, I should... In I should, Busan? Or in Busan. Okay. We, so, we are Busan expats. People we are. Often the first place they name is the capital city of a country. We were not in the New York of Korea. No. We were in the L.A. of Korea. You're in the summer capital. Exactly. That's what they call in it. In Busan, down yes. on the south coast. So you yeah. went back there. Which Lonely Planet just named the top place to go in Asia. No so, kidding. No kidding. Who would have thought that frumpy little town? I know. Well, you saw Black Panther. That was filmed in... Did you not see Black Panther? Some of it was filmed in Busan. Was it? See, now, the bridge, there's the, a reason why I didn't chase. see Black Panther oh. because sometimes when a movie becomes so recommended to me, I watch it in in comparison to its recommendation. Oh, well, so watch like, it for the Poussin scenes. Well, I'll watch so it. So fun. I want to sort of forget that people love that movie yeah. so much so I can watch it. This is a complete aside. Sorry, listeners. But <laughs> like I watched the movie Lady Bird and people love that movie so much. Mm-hmm. And I watched it and Brokeback Mountain was the same. And I watched it and it's like, oh, okay. You know, sure, it was good. Yeah. But I think if I had known nothing about Lady Bird or Brokeback Mountain, mm-hmm. I would have been more excited. So I, I heard so many good things about Black Panther that I, I sort of want to forget that right. and then just watch it so I can enjoy the story. My yeah. favorite part was the car chase across the bridge from Kwangan Lee to Hyundai. It was amazing. Is it that new bridge? Yeah. That, that new white bridge? Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. All so, right. I'm going to have to anyway. watch this now sooner yeah, than you I have planned. To. But anyway, so I'm, so I'm trying to decide between living in between staying in the two places where I lived, Samyun and Kwanganli, mm-hmm. uh, two neighborhoods. And I said to my best friend, I can't decide where to stay. I, you know, I, it makes the most sense to stay in Hyundai because you know, that's where I'll be doing X, Y, and Z, but I never lived there. And she said, um, we lived in Hyundai for a year. <laughs> so that's how my memory works. I, don't, I can't wow. speak for anyone else, but... but I have huge gaps in, in my memory, and so that's, that's one reason I take you know, copious notes and keep journals. It's just for the practicality of, I'm going to remember this. We think when we travel, everything is so exciting and new and fresh and different, and exotic, and you know, of course we're going to remember it all. It's so interesting. And then I, I lost a whole year of my life. Wow, that's, that's pretty funny, actually. Yeah. That is, it's worth acknowledging that simply remembering, having a record of your day, having a record of your experience, mm-hmm. and in a well, way... Well, let me stop you there. Not a record of your day, because that's what I was talking about. I, th- I think that's boring. Don't write about your whole day. Write about what moves you. Write about what makes you laugh out loud and what astonishes you. I think that so many people don't keep a journal because, like I said, it feels like homework if they feel like they're expected to write down everything that happened during that day. Write what's in front of you and, and interesting. And don't worry about recording the whole day. Right. Um, I think this approach might also be important in contrast to social media, mm-hmm. because sometimes we invent a fake version of ourselves for social media. Or, we f- or, or another thing is that we'll put up something that's mi- really meaningful to us, and it'll get like, 16 likes, right? <laughs> right? And then we'll put up something that's just super generic, like 
your time at the Eiffel Tower for two hours that meant nothing compared to the other experiences in Paris. It'll get 300 likes, okay. right? So it feels like the one thing, one advantage of the journal is it gives you permission, one, to not just write stupid things that you did during the day or banal things that you did that day, but it also allows you to not have to keep score. That you can be, you can write about what moves you and excites you and then you're not, you're not putting a fake version of yourself out there. Although sometimes when I read the journal I kept when I was 23, I think sometimes I was at times <laughs> faking myself for myself, you know, or holding back a little bit. Um, right. But um, yeah, so that I think even if you don't write down your, your breakfast cereal every morning and other banal things, just, just the act of recording even your emotional state feels important. Mm -hmm. um, well, the stuff that you can't, see in your photos, the stuff you can't read on Wikipedia. That's what I always tell people to keep track of. Keep track of what you felt, what you smelled, what you tasted, what you heard, and that includes dialogue. Um, and especially if you're planning to use the journal uh, for, you know, for an article or a story or something. Dialogue is so important and you're not going to get it from your selfie with the guy. And you're not going to remember, I just, I'm writing right now about a, a, a night I stayed in a temple in Korea, and I'm looking through my journal, and I'm like, why didn't I write about what it sounded like on the top of that mountain? I wrote about what it smelled like, but I really needed or, or wanted anyway to know what it sounded like. And I, and I don't remember if I heard wind through the trees or if there were, you know, cicadas. or. And so I, I wish I'd done that because my my photos don't capture that. Well, this is a point you make really well in your book in that you utilize the five sentences because as travelers, we often fall back on the visual sense. Even as travel writers, sometimes we fall mm -hmm. back on the visual sense. And so um, we, we write photographs when we, could be, <laughs> when we should be talking perhaps about how things smell and feel and sound and things like that. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, everyone thinks that, oh, I should write down that interesting historical fact. Well, no, you can get that off the tourism board site. Um, write, about, write about what struck you as, as, you know, personally as important. I think, too, like if you learn the historical fact from a guide who mispronounces oh, yeah. <laughs> certain English letters, you know, that, that if, if you can somehow tie very specific things, I think even like colloquialisms are things that when we're, when we're back home we'll completely forget. And so if, if somebody you run into has an interesting way of speaking or if you're overhearing a conversation that's just very strange and quirky, then, then those details are things that you're not going to remember. If you can't remember you lived in, in <laughs> you're probably going to miss those right. details as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, the details... I'm going to read you a, a, a section of your book from Writing Away because I think it brings up another good why issue. All right. You know, this, that Writing Away came out 10, ten years ago, ago yeah. in August. And so I was looking it's, over my all, notes. it's a lot like looking at a past journal. I'm like, wow, I, that's interesting that I wrote that. Well, I realized I interviewed you for Yahoo. I was a columnist for Yahoo News. Really? Or maybe it wasn't Yahoo News because that was more than 10 years ago that I was a columnist for Yahoo. I know Yahoo. you wrote about... Uh, it, the Ritz-Carlton magazine, you did that. Maybe that was it. But no, Yahoo News sounds familiar. That was a long time ago. But anyway, it was, it was just a different phase of my career. And it's like, really? I interviewed Lavinia about already? About <laughs> journal stuff? But in your book itself, you say, when we travel solo, a journal keeps us company. 
Conversely, traveling with others means we get our fair share of camaraderie, but routinely forfeit our privacy. We double up on rooms, rides, meals, and laboratories. We share maps, gear, and dry socks, but our <laughs> notebook is a private property. You won't be asked to lend it out the way you will, will with your pesos, toothpaste, and condoms. It can thus be a haven, a sacred oasis to come home to uh, when travel has thrown you off kilter, a personal traveling shrine or altar where you commune only with you. Um, and so I thought that was interesting. Sometimes a journal can be something you look forward to, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's it can sanctuary. sort of be a confidant. So, so expand on that a little bit, because I think that's some, that's an underappreciated aspect of the journal. Yeah. I think, you know, anyone who's traveled solo, uh, and again, like it, this has changed. It's been 10 years. Now everyone traveling solo, if they get a little lonely or, or feel, um, awkward or bored, they just pull up Facebook. But, or anything on their phone. Right, or yeah. anything on their phone. And um, But I just, I just feel like it's a, it's, there's so much more pleasure in getting a cup of coffee or, or a glass of wine or, you know, whatever you're drinking, yak's milk, whatever it is, and sitting with your journal and opening up that page and, and saying, you know, I'm sitting in, you know, this coffee shop in Prague and, and then, you know, later you look at it and there's a coffee stain on it. And it's just, it's the, it's a beautiful relationship. And it's, it's really, you're having a conversation with yourself, but to me, you're not talking to yourself. You're listening. You're, you're having a conversation with yourself in which you are a really good listener. Interesting. Yeah. And I love that. I love giving myself that opportunity, giving myself that, um, that sort of sacred that s- space, that sacred space to sit and just dive deep into my emotions. You know, I, I wrote writing away because um, I had, my father had passed away and I wanted to go to Mexico, to this place where I just wanted to be alone with my grief. And so I went to this, uh, this amazing town in Mexico called Alamos in the middle of the summer when I, I think I was the only tourist there. Nobody goes to Alamos in the summer. But it's this beautiful colonial town and I was going there really just to grieve. I just wanted to be alone and I thought, well, and you know, I'm, I didn't have a cell phone, I think at the time. And so, um, and so I, I wanted to journal and just dive deep into my uh, feelings. And so I went looking for uh, I was very into writing guides the way I, uh, or at the time I had, um, you know, I'd read like, bird by bird okay, and, books about writing. Yeah, yeah. Writing down the bones, um, and, uh, all, you know, I'd, I'd read them all. And so, and, and I read them for pleasure. Um, and so I wanted to find the equivalent of, you know, in terms of teaching me how to write a, a deeper, uh, more meaningful travel journal. And so I went looking for it and it didn't exist. And so I wrote it and so I, bird by bird, meaning Anne Lamott's book, yes. right down the bones, meaning is that Natalie, Natalie Goldberg? Yes. Goldberg. And so th- this category was missing for travel journaling. Okay. It was. And so, I mean, I found that it was missing. I went looking for it and I couldn't find it. So when I went to Mexico, that's what I started writing. I, I wrote a lot about my dad. Um, and I, I basically started writing like, well, if I were writing a book about this, what would I want? to be doing right now. I'd want to, you know, be writing 
this, that, and the other thing, and, and why, you know, so it was a how-to and a why-to. Um, but, uh, but it kept me company, it really did. It, it was such a, a beautiful companion in that time, my journal. And um, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure if that answers your question. Well, I was, but I it was... did become my confidant and my companion. I think sometimes too, our story of, of ourselves is always is always recalibrating. The story we're telling about ourselves is always recalibrating. Mm -hmm. So if we write something personal and private 18 months ago or 18 years ago, returning to it reminds us to where we were in our own narrative at that time. Mm -hmm. And so maybe your relationship to grief has changed a bit, you know, and so you can revisit what that felt like, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. um, which feels like a worthwhile thing to do. I think so. Yeah. I think so. And also it just didn't... You know, even if you're a blogger or, you know, an, an Instagram influencer, or, you know, however you chronicle your travels, I think that everyone has in common that they, they want to make it more meaningful. They want to make it more evocative, if not for themselves, then for other people. And keeping a, a private journal, you don't have to publish the stuff in your private journal. But by allowing yourself to write for yourself instead of for others, you'll, your writing will be more raw and more honest and more, um, more personal. And then, and honestly, I think that sharing some of those stories that you wrote when you weren't intending to write for an audience will be much, you know, you delve more into what's real. And people love that. So if you are writing, if you, you know, if your your thing is to write for an audience, write for yourself first, and see what comes up. Yeah, I mean, even having revisited my old journals recently, it was interesting how I wrote for myself back then. I was twenty three, so there's a huge element of what's going to happen in my life, right. uh, in, in my conversation to myself. But then also there's there's a real open heartedness, mm -hmm. and I think sometimes it's easy. Um, to look back on previous versions of yourself and think, oh yeah, he didn't know anything. <laughs> but like 23-year-old Walter was a pretty sweet guy. He was a thoughtful guy, you know, and I've forgotten that, you know, much yeah. in the way maybe that you forgot that you lived at Day <laughs> Beach. Um, I forgot that this was, this was a thoughtful guy. He wasn't a dumbass that I sometimes assume I... he was. Um, and so I'll read you another quote, and I'm just curious to know what you think of it. It's by Anthony Doerr from Four Seasons in Rome. It says, a good journal entry, like a good song sketch or photograph, ought to break up the habitual and lift away the film that forms over the eye, the finger, the tongue, or the heart. A good journal entry ought to be a love letter to the world. Mm, that's beautiful. I would say also a love letter to yourself and who you are in that particular moment, in that particular place. We change when we travel. I think, you know, often we change back to who we were. Right. Well, um, we experiment when we travel, so sometimes the, we can reinvent, the changes don't yeah. stick. Right. We can reinvent ourselves, and, and I think that that's really why I think of it as, as a place where we can have such profound breakthroughs. Um, and if we're really reflecting on who we are when we're not at home, and if we do become someone else, who is that person? If we're really reflecting on that and investigating it, uh, personally and privately, we can we can come up with some really interesting stuff about ourselves that we wouldn't come up with otherwise. And so I love that about keeping keeping a travel journal. 
I think this is a good thing for folks to keep in mind too, because we often talk and often the podcast audience is looking for self-improvement or looking for ideas in life. And so they're thinking, um, yeah, so how can I optimize my personal relationship with myself through the journal? But maybe it's not about optimization as much as just sort of open-heartedness and letting your ragged edges show and having a non-goal-oriented relationship with yourself. That self-improvement might, might be a byproduct, but self-knowledge or, or sort of a self-perspective. You know, I, I do think that self-improvement is part of it, though, because I think that if you really... Anytime we really sit and, and ask ourselves questions, we become better people. You know, I mean, if you go into a, a foreign country and all you care about is just taking pictures, of, you know, taking pictures of yourself, um, you're not going to really learn a lot about that culture and about yourself in that culture. Um, but go into it with a journal and write, write the questions, you know, why is this happening and what does this mean? And why do the people in the Medina do X, Y, or Z? What does the prayer to call actually mean? What are the words? You know, when you ask these things and when you ask, you know, why did I react so, you know, angrily when, when that person did X, Y, or Z, you're, that sort of self-examination that comes in delving deep into a journal, of course will lead to, you know, being a better person, <laughs> for lack of, of a you know, better way to put it. I think it's, it is about self-improvement. I feel like there's, there's fewer avenues, too. As we get more options in this interconnected world, more options as consumers, or even for self-performance, which mm -hmm. social media can sometimes be, um, oddly enough, we have the same set of tools for true self-examination as before. Like there's, there's no mm -hmm. technological, maybe someone will invent, maybe you could invent some sort of journal app that, that forces us to have this relationship with ourselves. But I think sometimes you don't- you I'm don't sure it exists. Well, I, th <laughs> I feel like um, that, what you've just described is not something you hack, you know? Mm -hmm. it's, it's not something that you somehow optimize. It's just something that you create space for. Mm -hmm. um, and so, Keeping in mind, hopefully we've convinced some people that it's a worthwhile activity. Let's think of strategies for, for A, getting things started, mm. um, B, being disciplined and consistent with mm. what you've started, and, and C, avoiding the mistakes that can sometimes bedevil the travel journaler. Okay. So to get started, you buy a journal. Um, <laughs> I like unlined journals. I'm famous for dis being disparaging of lined journals. Why? Because I think, uh, I think journaling should be about freedom. And, you know, I don't know, I was just traveling with someone who was an artist. And I said, will you just quickly, you know, sketch this thing for me? And they were like, totally. And they sketched it. And so I have that in my journal. It would not be as pretty if there were lines behind it. Um, I like to use it as a scrapbook, too. I like to, I always, always, always travel with a glue stick or three. Oh. Um, because otherwise... All the ephemera, all the, the cool stuff I collect, the ticket stubs and so forth, end up in a Ziploc bag somewhere. And I'd much rather have them in my journal. So I just paste them in and I write around them. Um, so I like online journals and, uh, and I think there's almost nothing as exciting as shopping for an online journal. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm such a geek. Uh, <laughs> but so you buy the journal, um, you open it before you leave just to get yourself excited about the trip. Uh, you can, you know, start writing down or, you know, even printing out and pasting inside the, uh, the recommendations that people give you. This is, this is, these are some great tips, like using the journal before you leave. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody once said something, I'm going to totally butcher this quote, but that travel is like 90% anticipation or, you know, something like that. Um, and I don't know that I agree with that, but I do think there's a lot of joy in the anticipation and the preparation. And so I love to have, I keep a different journal for every trip, you know, because then I can say, oh, okay, Morocco journal, here it is, or Nepal journal, there it is. And, uh, and you know, I don't fill them up all the way, but I love to have them on the shelf. And so, so I start them before I leave. I put in my expectations, I put in my goals, my intentions. Uh, I write down people's, people's suggestions, um, their must-sees, uh, and then I, um, and then I do my lists. I always so do these, those these lists. these blank pages yeah, that yeah, will yeah. later be filled in. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I think it's fun. And, uh, and so then, um, so then I already have it started when I set out and it's not this you know, blank page staring me in the face saying, write in me, which can be intimidating. I've already got it started. And, uh, and I, and I already have, you know, the lists that are asking to be filled in. And so that's, it's just easier for me to do it that way. And it's more exciting. Um, so then the next question, part B was what? Well, how do you stay disciplined? Which which flows right out of what you were just talking about, because it's one thing to get started, but like, when you're tired at the end of the day or when, like, how do, how do you keep filling that journal as the journey goes on? I give myself laughably doable uh, guidelines. I tell myself, you know, and, and whatever works for everyone, but basically, you know, I'll say that I have to journal for five minutes a day. Anyone can do anything for five minutes a day. You know, I'm, I'm a Buddhist and my... Um, that's a weird segue, but I am. <laughs> and uh, my teacher uh, has this thing. He, it's called um, short sessions many times. So instead of when you're trying to meditate, it's really hard, you know, if you're not in the practice, to sit down and just say, oh, I'm going to meditate for an hour. Or I'm going to meditate for 20 minutes. So instead, he really advocates saying, I'm going to sit down and medica- meditate for 10 seconds. You know, like anyone can meditate for 10 seconds, right? right? And, and 10 seconds can be really valuable hmm. if you meditate, if you use that 10 seconds to meditate. But what you're doing also is you're tricking yourself to sitting, mm. to getting on the mat. Because if you're just going to do it for 10 seconds, you're going to do it. But once you're sitting, it actually feels really good. And you end up, or I end up, meditating for 20 minutes. I was going to say, yeah, that once once you break the seal of that 10 seconds, then right. you realize how enjoyable it is. Right. So, um, and then while you're sitting, not to force your mind to continually, continuously meditate for 20 minutes, but to meditate for 10 seconds and then take a break and then meditate for 10 more seconds and then take a break, have a sip of your coffee, meditate for 10 more seconds. It works so well. It works beautifully. And then before you know it, 20 minutes have gone by and you're like... Boom, I just meditated for 20 seconds. It's the exact same thing with a journal. Tell yourself you're going to write three words a day. 
Hmm. You crack the journal, you write those three words, and then you start journaling, you know, because you remember all the other things that happened. And so something that feels so ridiculously manageable to you, but every day is how you do it. Um, or you, you pinpoint certain things that you are always going to write down. So I always have my glossary of foreign words because I love to look back on them and remember, you know, words like inshallah and habdullah and, you know, shukran. All, you know, I just got yeah. back from Morocco, so they're all swimming in my head. Um, oh, what's you know, that? that? No. That means no problem. <laughs> I love it. Like I always use that phrase. I learned that phrase in many cultures. No problem yeah. for whatever reason. Maybe it doesn't translate directly, but anyway. Salam alaikum. Yeah. Alaikum salam. It's beautiful, yeah. you know. And then if I... And then if I'm going back to Morocco, I can look up my classroom and remember them all. And, but anyway, so I always do that. I, always, I try to always um, write down anything that made me laugh out loud. Uh, I, always, you know, I always write down characters. So um, what, I, what I tell people is not basically, like, get out of your own way. If you think it's going to be a problem for you um, to write every day for 20 minutes, don't do that. Just tell yourself you'll open the journal five times a day to write one thing, you know, but really whatever works for you. I'm not much of a schedule person, you know, unless I'm on deadline, I have a really hard time writing every day. So I have a lot of compassion for people who <laughs> can't write on a schedule. You know, there are plenty of people who do that. There's that great quote by, um, Oh, I'm blanking on the name. But someone asked him, I'll think of it in a second. Someone asked him, do you write uh, on, a, you know, on a schedule or do you write when you know, the muse strikes you? And he said, oh, I only, I only write when you know, the muse strikes me. Fortunately, it strikes me at 9 a.m. every day. Oh, um, nice. <laughs> and I'm not that person. Right. You know, so I, I have to give myself these mind tricks, these short sessions many times. Well, it feels like that could be part of the fun because I was just mm -hmm. thinking that when my parents visited me in Paris 12 years ago, they were a little bit intimidated by the Frenchness of everything, mm -hmm. but they loved looking at dogs mm. because that's something that they could relate to, right? There's mm -hmm. a certain universality of dogs <laughs> and I'm not sure that they kept journals. I'm sure my mom did. Um, she keeps very a simple diary, but... If you can find your dog, you know, whatever sparks uh, a connection, I feel like they could have interpreted Paris entirely through their encounter with dogs. <laughs> There's some people for whom this is food, you know, that they, mm. they have their trophy meals and, and they get excited about what they eat. And I would imagine that would be an avenue into a journal. And so I think maybe for non-schedule driven people, you just find what makes you happy and that's the window into your journal. Right? I love that. Yeah. Absolutely. And you can write a whole book that way. There's somebody who wrote a book about traveling in Paris with their dog. Okay. Maybe it was your mom. You should send that book to <laughs> right. your mom. <laughs> right. I, I totally should. Bring her back to Paris. Um, I have a William Burroughs quote from his Paris Review interview back in 65, and it's interesting. It's his, it's his little strategy for when he travels. He says, For exercise, when I make a trip, such as from Tangier to Gibraltar, I will record this in three columns in a notebook that I always take with me. One column will contain simply an account of the trip, what happened, I arrived at the air ter terminal, what was said by the clerks, what I overheard on the plane, what hotel I checked into. The next column presents my memories, that is, what I was thinking at the time, and the memories that were activated by my encounters. 
And the third column, which I call my reading column, gives quotations from any books that I take with me. Hmm. I practically have a whole novel alone on my trips to Gibraltar. So William Burroughs, who's this guy who has this very complicated life and is just sort of seen as a maybe a guy who was just pouring prose out onto the page, was obviously very systematic in the way that he kept his journal. So one, what do you think of that? And two, do you have any other strategies for, for um, um, having a sort of a whimsical structure to one's journaling? I like that. I, um, I think I suggest in writing away something with columns, I want to say, again, 10 years ago, right. but I want to say it was something about one column for expectations and one column for first impressions and one column for reality. Or maybe, maybe it's just expectations and reality hmm. and maybe it's first impressions and final impressions or something like that. I think you, you suggest, and I'm sorry if I know oh, no, it's better good. than you do. No, it's good. Excellent. Um, like, like a, a, isn't, you don't say a negative list, but basically you write down mm -hmm. the thing that startled you. Like you see the beautiful cathedral, but it smells like cat piss. Right. And that's the sort of thing that someone... Womp, womp, womp. Right. Well, that happens. Maybe you call it a reality list. And so it's a way of being truer with your travels because sometimes our expectations, we, we go to, to see Chartres Cathedral and we're completely feeding into our expectations and we don't realize that actually more interesting and unique things are happening all around it. And sometimes they're negative, even if they don't right. ruin your day. Right. And, and honestly, if you don't write them down, the mind has a way of forgetting the reality and reverting to the expectation. Hmm. Yeah. And not remembering, you know, that that when you went to see the Mona Lisa, it wasn't just you and the Mona Lisa. It was you and 10,000 people in the Mona Lisa. Um, I think that it's important. Uh, and, you know, again, maybe you're not going to Instagram that. But it's, it's good for your own self-awareness of a place. And, and, um, and I just think it's, it's a good exercise in... Uh, and how to be a better traveler, how to notice more, how to practice the art of absorption and reflection and, you know, what's real, what's not real, what's, uh, you know, preconception and versus the, the true experience. I mean, that's what the journal's for. It's, it's, it's the, the un-Twitter, it's the un-Instagram. Um, oh my gosh, there's, I have a, chapter on technology and writing a way that's so outdated. It's hilarious. Uh -huh, right. I, I um, recommend this fun new thing called Twitter. It's sort of funny. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Who would have thought 10 years later your, your, your president was tweeting 500 <laughs> times a day? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that that, um, that could be a way of being present because sometimes, mm -hmm. in, in, actually in Vagabonding, I talk about this old New Yorker cartoon where somebody says, it looks like such a great trip. I can't wait to be disappointed. So we go <laughs> right. in with these idealized expectations, with these bucket list things, but it's actually maybe at the moment that you realize that there's 500 people between you and the Mona Lisa or that Chartres Cathedral smells like cat piss. I'm sorry if it doesn't smell like Chartres, cat piss at Chartres Cathedral. I'm just <laughs> throwing out a hypothetical. But that forces you to pay attention so that you're mm -hmm. not swimming around in your expectations, but you're actually drawing in the moment, right. making it your own. Right. Well, and you're actually, if, if you take the time to sit down at Chartres Cathedral and close your eyes and smell, Maybe you'll see something else besides cat piss. Maybe you'll smell the flowers next to you on the bench. Maybe you'll hear 
you know, not just the sound of, you know, screaming children, but you'll also hear the sound of the birds in the trees. I think that it, there's really something valuable to tuning in to all the senses and sitting down with your journal and connecting just to that moment um, in a very, in a, in a very deep and real way. And so I, you know, I always, when I'm teaching a, a writing workshop, I always ask my students, I give them a field trip to go and sit down in some crowded place and close their eyes and engage all the other senses to actually feel what's around them with their eyes closed and, and so forth. And we've already talked about that, but it is a way to stay present. It's, you know, when you're writing in a journal, you're not thinking about the past and the future. You're really thinking about what you see in front of you or what you feel or what you smell. And, and you know, that's, that's what we're all about, right? Is trying to stay in the moment. You're not thinking about, oh, how many likes am I going to get? Well, when you're talking about Sharp specifically, and I'm sorry if this is becoming <laughs> the, the Sharp podcast here, um, I was thinking about using that online pa uh, uh, paper to draw a picture. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know, I'm, I'm sure this is advice you've given. It's something I give to my students sometimes. But sitting and drawing a picture that takes two hours is different than taking a picture with your phone and leaving. Mm -hmm. um, and so... Give us a case for not just writing in your journal, but using it for other other mediums as oh, well. Oh, yeah. I mean, when I was in Morocco, we stopped on the road between um, Fez and Moulay Idris, and there were poppies, and instead of taking pictures of them, I just picked some and pressed them in my journal, and I love that page. I love the page of pressed poppies. You know, it's beautiful. I love, um, I love asking, you know, a kid on a train to draw a picture in my journal. I think it's, it's fun and, and it's not just because later I'll have something fun to look at. It's a moment of connection, of this intimate connection with this person. That's why I always have people write maps in my, um, in my journal and I try not to use GPS as much because I'm perpetually lost and it's always the way I meet people. I hadn't considered that, but that, that could be a, a great pretext to meet, to meet all sorts of people, you know, just oh, to say... absolutely. Asking for directions. Asking for directions or saying, put a picture in here or, mm -hmm. you know... So my, I talked about this uh, in my TEDx talk, but my sister, who is also Buddhist, um, there might be, you know, she might have influenced me a little bit there, but she had this teacher... Uh, Chagdu Tulku Rinpoche, who, um, a Tibetan teacher, who uh, was famous for whenever he would drive places, when, I mean, when he was driven places, he would never let his driver pay at the pump because he was missing a moment of connection. So they would always go inside and pay so that he could have that moment of connection with the gas station attendant. And I love that so much. You know, in GPS, it precludes a moment of connection. People love to, you know, give you directions, draw you a map, take you by the hand, and lead you to the next corner. Well, what, like the Yelpification of restaurant choices has, right. has startled me since that happened because um, it's made me feel like an, like an old man because people are like, well, here's the top five Yelp recommendations. It's like, can't you just ask someone in the street? <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, um, right. and, and so it feels like those old 
pretext to, to make a connection when you when you said, well, how do you get from here to here? Where's the best place to eat on the street? Um, that we are cheating ourselves out of those connections because we're being more efficient. And Right. And those interactions are some of the best and deepest experiences that you can have on the road. I always say, you know, a place is not a story, you know, from a travel writing point of view, a place is not a story, but a very brief interaction with a local can make for a beautiful story. Right. And that can just make it, I think by definition as travel writers, we're, we're outsiders. We have no authority with which to speak about anything. Yeah. So why try and keep ourselves, as, you know, outsiders by relying on technology even more? Well, I think too, another a phrase is consumers, you know, is that we could trap ourselves in the consumer role of travel by always having the right choice and always, <laughs> you know, taking out certain middlemen. Mm. And then at the best, we, be, we can become the best consumers of a foreign country when in fact there's mm -hmm. all of these much subtler lessons and relationships that can come out of a trip, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, I love the part in Vagabonding, I think that you wrote about, you know, how, how to engage with, um, you know, by volunteering or by, you know, playing games with people. You had a, a chapter about that, about how to make your travels more meaningful. And I think that, that, you know, all of that is also just like a perfect reason to keep a journal, you know, because you want to, I don't know if I'm, I'm really saying this the right way, but I think that, you know, they go hand in hand. Like if you keep a journal, you want to have meaningful things in your journal so that you can, when you do go back 20 years from now and read it, you're not just reading about the food. So if you're actually viewing the journal as, you know, a, an equal to the, to the trip itself, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to write a journal and I'm going to make meaning, you know, Doing, having, having as many meaning, ugh, I'm saying meaning a lot, having as many deep connections as possible will make that experience later of reading your journal so much better. Tell me about your relationship with your old journals. You must have tons of them by now. And, and one little corollary to that is, do you, do you worry about losing them in a New Orleans flood? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there I would I would be really sad if I lost my journal. You know, I've lost my passport probably five times. I just lost it last month. Well, it disappeared on a flight. It was that was stressful. I was I got I came back from Korea and I was going to Morocco a week later and on my flight uh, my passport went missing and I had a week to get a new one and I was like, Oh well, no big whoop because it's just a passport, you know? But my oh. journals oh my god. Hmm. I don't ever want to lose my journals because those are my experiences. Those are my memories. They're so much more. It's so funny. Everyone's so attached to those stamps. What does passport stamps mean? It's again, it's consumer. Oh, I went there. I did that. Yeah. But then in the journals, oh my God, I've got like, I've got like everything. So I, yeah, I love my journals. I have this journal from, uh, from Tibet. It's one of my favorites because I, I was just, I was writing down everything that all that my friends said. And I remember I have this quote in there that I, it still cracks me up every time 
I read it that my friend, uh, I said, are you going to shower today? And she said, oh, no, I'd, I'd rather be dirty than cold. <laughs> and I just loved it. And I wrote it down. And it still makes me laugh every time. And, oh, my God, it just brings me back to that monastery in that remote Tibetan town on the mountain with that hand, that shower that was made out of the plastic bag and it was too cold to get warm and those oh, those were cold showers and I just loved that. And then another page in that journal is like, the yak is sniffing my laundry. You know, <laughs> there was I was doing my laundry on the rocks, scrubbing, you know, and then I, you know, I laid them all out on the rocks on this, in, on this, you know, mountaintop monastery, and the, and the yaks came over and started sniffing them, and and I wrote it down in my journal, and I'm so glad I did because it really instantly, like you said, it's time travel. I was just boom, I was back on that mountain in Tibet. This has been Deviate with Rolf Potts. More about everything that was just mentioned, including links to Lavinia's book, Writing Away, can be found in the show notes at rolfpotts.com deviate. And as always, you can contact me with insights or questions at deviate at rolfpotts.com. This episode was produced by Justin Glow. Cedar Van Tassel does the theme music. Jan Futterman does the show notes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you tune in for future episodes of Deviate with Rolf Potts. <laughs>